I'm excited about our series we're starting today. Uh, it's called Whatever You Do. And let's get started this way. Let me ask you a question. If I could have uh, grabbed you in the atrium or come and sat in the seat beside you, and if I had slid in that seat beside you and I had asked you this question, what would you have answered? If I had asked the question, hey, what did you do for God this week? I want you to think about your answer to that. What did you do for God this week? And think about what you might have said to me. You might have, like, uh, put your hand on my shoulder and said, well... You know, I came to church on, well, you didn't come on Wednesday because we canceled everything. Uh, I came to church, I played in the band, I held kids in the nursery. But the answer that we're going to try to help you understand um, is this, that it would have been, hey, Dave, everything I did this week, I did for God. Everything. Whether I fixed a car or shoveled snow or made a birthday cake, or uh, changed diapers. Everything I did. And, and that's such a paradigm shift, and it's so important to our mission. You know, our mission is helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I found myself in a meeting a week ago with uh, some denominational officials, and they asked me this question. They said, hey, Dave, what is the number one challenge facing your church these days? And I thought about it a minute. And the number one challenge on my mind then was this answer. We need to help our entire congregation of over 2,000 people understand that coming to church is not the Christian faith. It's living for God in everything that we do that is the Christian faith. And that's a paradigm shift that we're really going to work on as we... um, uh, start this, and it actually began. My, our, our, my thinking about the series began over a year ago when I was flying home from uh, Dallas, Texas, with some of our business leaders who we had taken there to be in a learning community we called uh, uh, Missional Renaissance, and we'd taken five business leaders with us to Dallas, and uh, they had taught all about how we need to use our influence as a church to reach all the different venues. We have to be in the venue of government and education and entertainment and in neighborhoods and in our family we need to be in in all we need to have influence in all those areas if we're really going to make a difference and this business guy was sitting next to me on the plane and he said this you know dave orchard does not do a very good job a very good job of helping people understand that their work and their role beyond the church are important to god and i let that sink in for a minute And I actually take quite a bit of note when somebody says, hey, Orchard is not doing very good at this. And it actually has stuck with me. And this leader went on to say something like this. I hear a lot at church about what people should give and do for the mission of the church. And I agree, that's important. But we need to help people understand that whatever they do is for God. Whatever they do is for God. So the intent of this series is to clearly communicate one truth. Whatever you do, matters to God. Whatever you do matters to God. Here's the verse. It's from Colossians 3. It says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, 
do that work at it with all your heart. I remember when this light bulb came on for me, and I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I started saying this whisper thing during my day. And what I started saying was, this one's for you, Jesus. This one's for you. When I would face something I didn't want to do, but I knew I needed to do it because it was right, this one's for you, Jesus. This one's for you. Um, uh, so, uh, and this is not just, the, it includes the work you do, 40 or 50 hours a week that you get paid for, but it also includes everything else that we're called by God to do. We honor and glorify God when we do our paid and our unpaid work, when we do purposeful endeavors. You know, the word work in the Bible, we, we trans, if I said, what are you doing at work? In our culture, you would, you would hear that as, what are you doing that you get paid for? But in the Bible, work more means any purposeful endeavor. So in a Bible kind of a way, if I said to you, you know, what are you doing for work these days? It might be changing diapers, cutting the lawn. It might be playing a game with your kids. Purposeful endeavors in the marketplace or in our homes or, or even in our leisure. You know, so many of you will go to a Super Bowl party this afternoon. You can go there and on the way say, this one's for you, Jesus. I'm going to cheer in a way that honors you. I'm going to eat in a way that honors you. That's hard to do at a Super Bowl party. I'm going to uh, befriend people and listen to them in a way that honors you. This one's for you. Changing diapers, cutting the grass, shoveling snow, giving a talk, making a sale, building a business, teaching a student, making coffee, planting a crop, mopping a floor, cleaning a bathroom, or playing a game. Can all be done with passion and excellence that honors Christ. This is a paradigm shift that we desperately need if we're going to be followers of Jesus, faithful followers of Jesus. Simply giving our best to what we're called to do honors Christ. Martin Luther said, if you dig a ditch, dig it well for Christ. This is a way of thinking. It's a passion for life. This is a critical idea for our mission. You can whisper over and over. This one's for you, Jesus. So yesterday morning, I got up. I thought I'm going to have a casual morning at home. And I get a call at 7.15 and there's a friend of mine who desperately needs to talk. So I wasn't even going to get dressed until 11 a.m. And here it is, 7.15. And so I throw on some clothes. I go to a restaurant. And on the way, I whisper, this one's for you, Jesus. It wasn't in my plan, but it's for you. Last Sunday, uh, weekend, last weekend, I was on, a va- I was on vacation. And we had uh, taken a hotel room. Uh, four hotel rooms over at a hotel and we had our grandkids at a, like a pool weekend party. And then as the time comes, it's like I was actually, I don't even know if I should say this here, going to sleep in on Sunday morning. And then I find myself, because of the weather, standing in our parking lot a little before seven, waiting to see if the sleet is coming. And I'm making that call and I'm saying, this one's for you, Jesus. I- I'll eat lunch today. And our habit is some of our grandkids come for lunch and uh, they'll kind of wait and watch until grandpa's almost done eating. And then they'll start pulling on my clothes and climbing on my shoulders and going, Grandpa, it's time to play. This one's for you, Jesus. It's everything. Do you get that? Do you see how that works? Um, uh, some of you heard me uh, at an earlier teaching this year talk about my dad. I, I had a conversation with my dad. He's 85 years old. 
And he's retired for John Deere. He's in his 25th year of retirement. And so he hasn't worked for money for 25 years. Did I say he's 85? And uh, uh, what he uh, said to me when I asked him, Dad, how is it to be 85? Because you know stuff I don't know because I'm not 85. And he said, the most important factor in my life is that every day when I get up, I have something important to do for God. And he didn't say this, but I think what he was saying was, in order to have life to the full, the way Jesus talked about in 10.10, John 10.10, in order to have life to the full, um, you need to be sure that you have an important piece of work, purposeful endeavor, to do each day. In our church this morning, we have a 96-year-old woman, 96, Christina Rich. We celebrated her birthday, I think this week or last week. She is checking our two-year-olds into their class this morning. 96! She didn't, when she was 70, go, I've had enough of kids. She didn't even do it when she hit 80, saying, I've had enough of kids. Then she hit 90, she didn't say, I've had enough. Some of you think you've had enough of kids, and you're like in your 30s. 96. So ponder the verse again. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, if I were to say, okay, let's, let's get in a learning mode here. Draw a image of how you would draw your life, some of you would draw an image like this. You would take a pie and you would divide it and you'd go, well, I got all these parts in my life. I mean, I got, a, I got my daily duties. Somebody said that should be daily crud. I got my job, my recreation, my money, my sleep, and, you know, my God, my family. And what we'd want to say to you this morning is, uh, thanks for playing bonk. That's not the right picture. We think instead of a pie like that, uh, let's go to the next slide. We think it ought to be like more like a donut, that God is at the center of every venue. And it doesn't matter which venue it is, whether it's your job or your daily duties or your money or your sleep or your relationships or your family, it doesn't matter. God's at the center of it, and you're doing it for him. And I'm seeing some of you shake your heads. That's good. We just have to be reminded and know this. I was meeting with one of our uh, physicians in the church, a general practice physician. This week I had breakfast for him and uh, with him. And uh, we were talking and he said, you know, Dave, I was made to be a dad. As soon as I became a dad, I could tell I was made to be a dad. He said, I really have to work at being a husband. Some of us can identify with that. I love playing with little kids, so I'm actually volunteering in the nurseries. And down the list is the fact that I'm a doctor. But he said, doing a faithful and good job of being a doctor is a part of my call to God. Just like being a dad and being a husband and being a nursery worker. I think he was saying to me, I can be salt and light with my kids, with my wife, at church, and in my practice. Now, I want to teach you this. There's another important point here that I want to teach for just a minute. And that I want to teach that work is a gift of God. Work is a gift of God. I, uh, I had this wrong for a lot of years. I thought work was a curse because Adam and Eve sinned. But if you read the Bible and you read it carefully in Genesis, 
Um, it's not a curse. It's a part of paradise. So let me uh, read you this. Um, in the beginning, this is from the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. So first of all, we realize the fifth word of the Bible was God working. In the beginning, God created. That was his work. And he worked on creation for six days, and then he took a Sabbath day of rest. So God is a working God. And then he says, and then it says, um, he assigned uh, uh, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is before there was sin. This is before the fall. That life to the full will always include work. This was paradise. And God said, Adam, in order for you to enjoy life and the paradise, you need to work. You need to work. So having purposeful endeavors brings us life to the full. We need it. Some of you are thinking about retirement. And you're, and you're savvy to this. You're going, I, I, I do. I need to figure out what important p- purposeful endeavor I'll be doing. I, some of you have said to me, I know I can't kick a beach ball around on the beach and play golf all day and find life to the full. That this idea of doing something on purpose and important is a part of life to the full. Now, there is a problem with work. And uh, the problem comes in Genesis chapter 3. And God says to Adam, because you listened to your wife, this is after he ate the fruit, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Now, most of our work has thorns and thistles. Most of our work has frustrations with it that we wish weren't a part of our work. And that is because of the curse, the broken world we live in. So work is a gift of God. Working with thorns and thistles is still a gift, but it's a part of our, day, our frustration. Tim Keller, a Presbyterian pastor in New York City, where some of the kids who grew up in this church actually attend, Uh, wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor, Connecting Your Work to God. And he says this, Work is as important to the human soul as food and water and love. It's vital. So here's our objective for uh, this morning and the next four weeks. We have a slide on this. We want to inspire people to remember that all they do honors and glorifies God as they do all of life on purpose with excellence and passion in tune with God. So I called David Hansen this week. David uh, worked for our church for years. He was our operations. Uh, many of you know Dave. I called him. I said, Dave, you got called away from church ministry to other ministry. And I said, Dave, how is that going? And um, do, do, uh, he said, well, first of all, if you're going to talk about me, tell them that, you know, I felt called away from the church in order to support my family in a new way. And I said, yeah, that's great. And uh, I called Dave because I wanted to point out that there isn't a more sacred job by working for the church than working somewhere else. It's all sacred. Um, uh, uh, So Dave right now does three things. Uh, uh, He sells tickets in the morning. He sells tickets online. In the late evening, he drives a cab, taxi cab. 
And uh, in the afternoon, he's a landlord to financially under-resourced people in East Waterloo, which is a job he chose to do and wanted. And he said this, the work I do as a landlord with the financially under-resourced folks that I'm trying to be a great landlord for is very frustrating and draining. As I knock on each door and I need to collect this month's rent, I'm not always seen as a good guy, a great landlord. See, this is the thorns and thistles part of the work. The thorns and thistles part of the work. As I try to take care of people and be a great landlord, I do it as if I'm on a mission trip. And Dave went to San Francisco several times on our mission trips, and he really got in touch with under-resourced, financially under-resourced people. And he wanted to serve in his job in that way. Here's another verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. So you and I are God's workmanship. And I got to thinking about that. God was at work when he planned your life. And your life is a very valuable and important life. And, and I was, uh, we were watching a video uh, this week. Actually, my wife was showing it to my grandson. And there's this five-minute clip in it about this, these actual words, for you are God's workmanship. So I want you to sit back and uh, watch this video for just a second. But I'll tell you, the miracle of tonight is, is crazy and crazier to me than the size of any star. Is that though we are but a vapor, you and me, and tiny and frail, we are marked by majesty. And we have been created in the very image of the God who breathes out the stars and put the universe into place. You and I are fashioned and formed and ordained by the God of all creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, you and I. We are a miracle. You're a miracle sitting in the building tonight. If I could just remind you just for a moment, you are somebody incredibly special. Let me just dial back to the beginning. And I, I know you know this already, but in the very, very beginning, here's how you happened, okay? One cell from your mom found one cell from your dad. Now, there's more involved in that than that, but that's enough for us right now. And by the way, we should applaud the one cell from your dad because that one cell did a pretty heroic thing to be the one cell in the story that we're talking about tonight. One cell from your mom met up with one cell from your dad, each one carrying 23 chromosomes. The one from your mom was carrying half of her DNA. The one from your dad was carrying half of his DNA. And those two cells met and merged into one single cell. And when they did, those chromosomes matched and they began to form together a brand new DNA code using four characters, four nucleotides. They begin to write out what we have now discovered is the three 
billion character description of who you are written in the language of God. They wrote out your DNA, your human genome of three billion characters made up of those four simple nucleotides. And when they did, they described who God had ordained you to be. In that one little simple cell. Scientists say if you took the DNA out of that one little cell and stretched it out, that DNA would be six feet long. Three billion characters stretched out to six feet long. So amazing that if I were to read your DNA, reading one character per second, night and day, it would take me 96 years just to read the description of you. And when they formed together, they wrote out and painted a picture which had never been written before in the history of humankind. And then that cell did the unthinkable. It set out to build that model from one cell. I'm telling you, you are a miracle sitting in this building tonight. And you have come a long, long way. I mean, here you are. This may not be in the family photo album, but here you are at three days old. Sixteen cells of you. You say, what in the world is that? It's a sixteen cell human embryo on the tip of a safety pin at incredible magnification. So by now, that one cell had turned into 16 cells on its way to making the 75 trillion cells that make up your body tonight. Every one of those 75 trillion cells containing that six feet of the three billion character DNA code that you... There's so much DNA in your body, by the way. If you stretched it all end to end, there'd be enough DNA to go to the moon and back inside your body. 178,000 times. That's how amazing God has made you to be. 75 trillion cells in your body. And when I told you that, 50,000 of those cells died and were replaced by brand new cells when I told you that. And then just now, 50,000 more cells died and were replaced by brand new cells. It's happening every three seconds, day and night, all the days of your existence. And you wonder why you're tired all the time. I'll tell you, you're doing some amazing stuff night and day. We're miracles, you and me. I love the way Augustine said it. One of the great fathers of the church and of the faith. He just nailed it when he said it like this. Men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, the huge waves of the sea, the long course of rivers, the vast compass of the ocean, the circular motion of the stars, But they pass by themselves and they don't even notice. In the womb, miracles happening every moment. Here you are at five months in the womb. You remember those days. Those were the good old days. When the Bible says you are God's workmanship. He did amazing work. He did amazing work to make you who you are. Now, one of the things we've started doing 
We started doing a lot at Orchard. It's sending people on mission trips. I would say for the last five years, on average, we've sent somewhere between 150 and 200 uh, people on a mission trip, either in the U.S. or outside the U.S. We have mission trips planned right now for spring break and around spring and all that. And the thing about mission trips that's so amazing is how intentional we are when people pay money to go on a mission trip. So we get up the first thing in the morning. I've been on several of these. First thing in the morning, you pray and say, God, use us today because we don't know what we're doing, right? Those of you who've been with us. And then all day long, what do you do? You pray. You say, this one's for you, Jesus. We don't know how to speak. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do this. This one's for you. Then at night, what do you do? You gather back around and you say, where did we see God at work? And like people go on a mission trip and they grow like crazy. And they come back and they go, we're not the same anymore. Well, here's the news. And this is what we've got to begin to understand. When God made you, he sent you on a 70 or 80 or 90 year mission trip. Your life on this planet is a mission trip. Home is not here. Home is in heaven. This life, every day, we ought to be getting up and saying, God, whatever you gave me today, whatever you gave me, I'm on a mission for you. This one's for you, Jesus. This one's for you, whether I'm you know, running a city or running a business or running a classroom or coaching a team. This one's for you, and I'm on a mission trip for you, dear God. This one's for you, Jesus. What would God do with 2,000 people in a city like the Cedar Valley if 2,000 people actually grasped that and said, today I'm on mission for God and it doesn't matter whether you work for a church or a business or a school, if you're unemployed, if you're an at-home mom, you're on mission. Because why? You're his workmanship. You're his workmanship. I really challenge you as we close this with a prayer. As we give this focus, this, uh, can, you, can you twist the way you think? Can you change your paradigm a little bit and say, I'm on a mission trip for God. And if he gives me 10 more years or 20 more years or junior high kids, if he gives you 60 more years or 80, I'm on a mission trip. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, our, uh, the one who went to the cross and died for us and gave us new life, because of the gospel, because of the good news, that we are now your children, loved by you. Um, Help us live life as if it's a decades-long mission trip. Help us be intentional. Help us sense your power. Help us sense uh, your presence. Help us sense your work. Help us depend on your grace. And Father, these guys, all of us go uh, this afternoon and help us be on mission. All of us get up in the morning and have something important to do tomorrow. Help us be on mission. And Father, even as we sing these last two songs, could we be fully, deeply worshiping the God who gave us a mission, who gave us a mission and um, helped us, helped us uh, have life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.